Welcome to Sabbath School, brought to you by It Is Written. I'm Eric Flickinger, your host, and we are on lesson number 10. We are edging ever so much closer to the end of this quarter, dedicated to the book of Hebrews and looking at why it's important to us today. Uh, With me is the author, as usual, of the Sabbath School quarter uh, lesson, and that is Dr. Felix Cortez. He is the Associate Professor of New Testament Literature at Andrews University. Pastor Felix, welcome back. Uh, Eric, nice to be with you again. So we're digging into some real meat here. We are are looking at Hebrews chapter 9, Hebrews chapter 10, a few other passages in Hebrews throughout, but we're looking at Jesus opening the way through the veil. And I want to kind of start this uh, this week by looking at Hebrews chapter 9, verse number 24. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse number 24 is a powerful passage. It says, For Christ has not entered the holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Now, there are a lot of even Christians today who don't understand, don't realize the significance of the heavenly sanctuary, of Christ's ministry in the heavenly sanctuary, of why it's important. But you get into Hebrews 8, Hebrews 9, and Christ's ministry in the heavenly sanctuary, his ascension to heaven, is is a critical element for Christians to understand. Why is Jesus' ascension to heaven and what he's doing there today so important for people to understand today? It is important for many reasons. One is that Jesus' ascension has broken, well, has breached the divide between God and us. You know, the the title of the lesson is, He has opened the way through the veil. But when we think about the veil, Eric, we are thinking about not simply a piece of cloth that separated the holy from the most holy place in this sanctuary. That piece, of, that piece of cloth was the symbol of another more important reality. The barrier that sin had created between God and us. When Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, they were cast out from the garden. And there, then there was a veil, there was a barrier. If you remember well what happens there in, in Genesis 3 at the end of the chapter, it says that there was cherubim guarding the way, guarding the entrance to the garden. So there was this barrier. And remember, these cherubim are in the garden, in, in the sanctuary, in the veil. They are, they are uh, described there in the veil as well. So the veil was what separated or prevented priests from going into the most holy place. The most holy place was where the Ark of the Covenant was, which represented a footstool of God's throne. It was God's throne room. No priest could enter into God's throne room. Priests are sinful. Priests are mortal. And priests cannot bridge that divide. In fact, even though God dwelt in the midst of his people, there was probably two-thirds of a mile between God and the first tent of the Israelites. And around the sanctuary, around the tent of God, around the sanctuary, the 
Levites camped around there. If you go to Numbers 2, Numbers 3, other passages in Numbers, you're going to find that the Levites, uh, one of their functions was to protect uh, the entrance into the sanctuary. No uh, believer could enter into the sanctuary unless it was uh, accompanied and uh, by Levites in order to offer sacrifice, which the Levites offered. The Levites were like a veil around the sanctuary, a, a barrier that prevented access on the penalty of death. People who wanted to encroach on the sanctuary, they were killed. So the Levites were really, part of their function were to be, was to be guardians of the sanctuary. And, 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 and so the veil is this separation between God and us. It represents that divide. But what Jesus has done, remember, when Jesus came to this earth, he was baptized. It says that the heavens were open. Uh, but the, the, the Greek verb for that is eschisde. Really, the, the heavens were ripped open. Were ripped open like a veil is ripped open. What happens is that now, because of Jesus, for the first time, God speaks directly to humanity uh, after he, he spoke at Sinai. He spoke at Sinai directly to, to, to Israel. And then he never spoke again because of the sinfulness of the Israelites. But now God speaks directly to humanity. The veil, in some sense, was open. When Jesus died, the veil of the temple was broken, was ripped apart as a symbol, not only of the destruction of the temple, but as a symbol that the way to access Jesus, God the Father was open through the blood of Jesus. So that is very significant. We are not apart anymore. We are uh, in the presence of God. By the way, he, what the passage that you read, Hebrews 9.24, describes Jesus as the one who appeared in the presence of God in our behalf. That expression, to appear in the presence of God, is used in the Old Testament to refer to the believers who went every year, three times to the, a year, three times a year, to go to Jerusalem to appear before the temple in the presence of God. And what was the purpose? The, the blessing was, may God's face shine upon you. Basically, to see God's smile. That is God's shine, the shine of, in God's face. The smile of approval, of welcoming. That smile of approval has been worn by Jesus who opened. We can now access God, but you see, we can access God confidently. The, the Greek word is more than confidently. We can access the presence of God boldly into the presence of God because, because of Jesus. So that is, the, that is the meaning of the veil. God has opened the access for God. We can approach him at any time, at any moment through Jesus. And I, I love the way that it, that it is open. The, the verse right before, Hebrews 9, verse 23, says, well, actually, let's go to Hebrews 9, 22, because that, it kind of all comes together. And according to the law, almost all things are purified with blood, and without shedding of blood, there is no remission. Therefore, it was necessary that the copies of the things in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. So here you have in Old Testament times all these sacrifices that were made 
which don't do a whole lot of good for the heavenly sanctuary in and of themselves. But here it says that the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. What What is this better sacrifice here? Of course, that sacrifice is the sacrifice of Jesus's life in our place. And, and what Jesus' sacrifice does is to purify us. This is really important because the atmosphere of heaven, the presence of God in heaven is perfectly pure. Can you imagine going to a, 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 a party where everyone is perfectly dressed, everything is wonderful, it's pristine, no, nothing is out of order, nothing is unclean, and you arrive with all your, or your clothing muddy, your, your, your shoes, you know, just coming from a wet place with mud and earth, and you don't want to enter, you want to hide yourself, you are, you, you are, you're trying to to, to get away from that is a terrible thing. You are unclean. But what Jesus does is through his sacrifice, he cleanses us. He cleanses our sin. He purifies us. And now we have a, a very nice clothing, very good shoes, and we are very well, you know, dressed perfectly clean. Now we want to be there. Now we want to approach God and we want to not only approach him, give him a hug if that was possible, right? And say, God, I'm here because I'm clean. That is what the sacrifice of Jesus has done for us. You know, that, that allows us to, to connect with, uh, with perfection, if we want to put it that way, with, with the way God desires things to, to have always been. But of course, we have chosen sin, and we live in a, in a sin-cursed and fallen world. On Monday's lesson, there's an interesting concept here about God giving an invitation. And the picture that's given is, is of Israel at Mount Sinai. And it's, it's again, a powerful picture here, as, as much of the book of Hebrews is. In Hebrews 12, 18 through 21, uh, Paul says, For you have not come to the mountain that may be touched and that burned with fire, and to blackness and darkness and tempest, and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words, so that those who heard it begged that the word should not be spoken to them any more, for they could not endure what was commanded. And if so much as a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned or shot with an arrow. That sounds like stay far away. And yet God wants us to come. Uh, why? How, how can he offer us this, this incredible invitation? You need, to, you need to understand the context of this. Because what you have in Hebrews 12, 18 to 22 is a description of Moses' fear after Israel's sin with the golden calf controversy. He was afraid to approach this holy, perfect God, representing a stiff-necked people, right? But, but that was not what God's original intention was. God's original intention was that the people of Israel we're going to purify themselves when he, they were in the, in the, in the, um, at, before the mountain. And God wanted them to go up the mountain by themselves and meet God. We don't find that very clearly explained, though it is there in Exodus 19, but it's not very clearly explained. It is clearly explained in Deuteronomy 5. In Deuteronomy 5, you have the, uh, the, Moses telling to the people, you know, I had to go up the mountains because you didn't want to go. 
God wanted you to go, but you didn't want to go. You were afraid. What happened is that when God appeared, you know, in the thunder, in the in the fire, in, in the noise, the people heard that, saw that and said, wow, I'm not going there. They lacked faith. They were astonished. They were fearful and said to Moses, you go there. You represent us. We don't want to go there. They were afraid. But God wanted them to go. God was going to protect them. It was their privilege to go up the mountain, but they didn't go. And that is the first step in apostasy. You don't have this intimate relationship with God. You say, you you go. You are my representative. You study. You pray. You sing. I only believe. Many persons tell me, Pastor, you pray for me because I'm, you are closer to God than I am. Well, that is not what God wants. What God wants is you to pray for him as well. I will pray for you, but it's your privilege to pray. You don't need intermediaries. And that's what happened with Israel. They asked Moses to be the intermediary. And that was the beginning of their fall. And uh, we have that privilege to access God personally now. It's beautiful how God wants to have that that connected, interrelated relationship with us, and, and He does make it possible. And we're going to continue looking at that as we continue with this week's lesson, uh, looking at how Jesus opens the way through the veil. We're going to come back in just a moment, but I want to encourage you, if you haven't yet picked up the companion book to this quarter's Sabbath school lesson on the book of Hebrews, please be sure to pick it up. You will gain so much more if you do. That book, again, is available at itiswritten.shop. Again, that's itiswritten.shop, the companion book to the book of Hebrews. We're going to come back in just a moment as we look at how Jesus helps us beyond the veil. We'll be right back. Thank you for remembering that It Is Written exists because of the kindness of people just like you. To support this international life-changing ministry, please call us now at 800-253-3000. You can send your tax-deductible gift to the address on your screen, or you can visit us online at itiswritten.com. Thank you for your prayers and for your financial support. Our number again is 800-253-3000, or you can visit us online at itiswritten.com. Welcome back to Sabbath School. We're looking at how Jesus helps us beyond the veil this week. Now, uh, Pastor Felix, why why do we even need a veil? If Jesus is going to help us beyond the veil, the, the veil's, well, it's got to be there for a purpose to begin with. Why is the veil there, and why is it so important that we can move beyond it? Well, in the book of Hebrews, the veil, it exists only to be opened. In some sense, in the book of Hebrews, the veil loses significance because of Jesus. The veil stops being a barrier. Um, and when, 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 when the book of Hebrews describes our ascension, um, sorry, Jesus' ascension, Jesus ascended to heaven uh, to enter into the sanctuary, the, the heavenly sanctuary. And there he sits in the presence of God, at the right hand of God, and we have access to God through him. No more veil. The veil has been opened. Now, for us, it is important that we do not create barriers. You see, sometimes believers, we create barriers. 
Every person should be able to approach God through Jesus. And we, do not, we, need, we need to be careful not to, to create barriers in our, in our spiritual life. You know, in the book of Hebrews in chapter 10, we've got a beautiful picture. In fact, some of the most beautiful passages, verses in the book of Hebrews, at least uh, in my humble opinion, about what Jesus makes possible to, to help us beyond that veil. In Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse number 19, it says, Therefore, brethren, having boldness, and you've made mention of this before, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So here, Paul says that we shouldn't just come to Jesus, come to the throne, come to the veil, but we should have boldness, confidence in doing that. Now, as Christians, we're often called to be humble because Jesus was humble. And I agree with that. But here we're called to be bold. How can we and should we and why should we have this boldness to come before him like this? You know, the way that Jesus, the new and living way that Jesus has opened for us is a new covenant that he created for us. That Jesus died in order to restore our relationship with God. But then Jesus wants us to be bold. Let me give you a short explanation of what this means. Um, my, my, my kids, I, I, one of my kids has this ability to make a lot of friends. And very often he will say to my wife, Mom, I'm, I'm coming to eat uh, today, but can I bring a friend? Yes, yes, you can bring a friend. But then he will say, but uh, three hours before the meal, can I bring two other, five, four, five other friends? Yes, yes, you can bring five, five other friends. He came with 15 friends, you know. That is boldness, right? It's confidence. And, and um, I think we need to have that confidence with God. What is, what is the meaning of that? We, we come God to God and say, God, forgive me my sins. And God says, forgiven. You are clean. But then we don't stop there. It says, God, I want something more. I want to be like you on this. It says, okay, let's go. Let's do it. And God says, what else do you want? Well, God, I want that. What you did for me, I want you to do it with my, my friend, with my son, with my spouse, with my daughter. I says, granted, what else do you want? And you, you see, there is a, a, a road of boldness of growing in a relationship with Jesus. Now, Hebrews 10, 20, 10, 19 to 25 has some very beautiful um, uh, images there. If you, go, if, if you go to verse 22, it says, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. This imagery is a very important imagery, Eric, because it is describing the inauguration or the consecration of the priests in Leviticus 8 and 9. 
when the priests were consecrated in order to approach God, remember, only the priests could approach God, they were washed. Seven days they were washed. They were washed in water to be purified because they weren't going to enter into the presence of God. They were put new uh, uh, clothing, clean, perfect clothing, designed by God. And then there was a sacrifice to consecrate them. And part of the sacrifice, the blood had to be put in the right loaf, in the, in the big um, uh, thumb, right in, in the big toe of, 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 of our, of our uh, right uh, foot. And, and that was the consecration of the priest. And what Jesus, what Hebrews is saying here is that we, through the death of Christ, Jesus Christ, we have been consecrated as priests. What only the Levites could do to approach God, you know, behind the veil, they could not enter the veil. We now have been consecrated as priests because we can enter all the way in into the presence of God. That is the imagery that has been happening here. But we need to be cleansed by the blood of Christ. And we need to be, uh, we need to be consecrated by the blood of Christ. And this access that we have through the new covenant gives us boldness to ask God more and more and more. And I want more. And God is going to provide all, all that we want if it is according to his will. We need to be bold. And I think with, uh, with the sacrifice that Christ has made and, and the fact that he is our brother and that he is our advocate, he's the one who's standing on our behalf in the heavenly courts today, we can have that boldness. You know, God wants people to be saved. He doesn't want people to be lost. He wants their sins to be forgiven. He doesn't want them to have to, to bear the penalty for their sins. He wants, he wants us to have, as you've mentioned very rightly, and as Paul said, boldness to come to him, confidence to come to him. And since he's already paid the price, there's no reason why we should, uh, should let that go un, uh, unappreciated. And we can come to him. The great news of this week's uh, lesson, and there's so much great news in it, but we get to Thursday, and it's called, They Will See His Face. Now, today, we might be a little bit anxious to see the face of God. Uh, many people are, are afraid to see the face of God. In fact, Moses uh, didn't even get to see the face of God. He, you know, cover you in the, in the cleft of the rock and walk by and you can see me once I pass by, he says. And, and that changed Moses' face to the point where people said, you know, put on a veil. But there's coming a day when we're going to get to see the face of God. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 22 through 24 says this, But you have come to Mount Zion, and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. Now, this is incredible. This is, this is a picture of us finally getting to go where it is that we want to go. This is a powerful picture here. It is a powerful picture. And, and when we realize what is the meaning of what happened in Hebrews 12, 24 and 25, where you have all these angels in festal gathering, you have a very big party there in heaven. Very big party. What are they celebrating? They are welcoming Jesus back home. Okay, that is, that is a celebration that is happening in Hebrews 12, 22 to 24. But 
you need to understand that this is not just welcoming Jesus, the second person of divinity, back home. They are welcoming Jesus as your representative back home, as my representative back home. This is a welcoming party for him and for us. Angels are celebrating. There is music. There is uh, gifts. There is, uh, well, I don't know if there is dancing in heaven, but um, there must be some expressions of joy in heaven because of the salvation of Jesus. Now, for us, the most amazing thing is going to happen when we come to heaven and we see the face of God. Because for a long time, for many centuries, we were the reason of pain and sadness for God. Our, our, our sins cut him deeply. Our sins uh, were shameful, you see. I think heavenly beings, when they, see, when they see what is happening on earth, sometimes they say, oh, no, I don't want to look at that. Sometimes it is, it is terrible to look at. And, um, and when we meet the presence of God, we sometimes think, you know, what is going to happen when we, who have been away for so much time, meet God for the first time again? Is he going to be ashamed? Is he going to be sad? What is going to happen? No. We're going to see his face and his, shine will, his face will shine upon us. It is going to be the expression of acceptance. The expression of joy. Now, that expression happens every time you and I pray. God doesn't say, oh, here comes again, Felix. What, what does he want now? No, no, no. He looks at Jesus because all my prayers go to Jesus. And Jesus is the, you know, there is no other like him. This is the favored son. This is the, the beloved son. And when Jesus appears... In his presence, his face shines. What do you want, my son? This is the beloved son. What do you want? What else do you want? Is that the only thing that you want? Yes. And everything, every time I ask something, his face shines with approval because he's speaking to Jesus, my representative. But what is happening through Jesus is going to happen to me when I see God, when I come to heaven. This is what is described in Revelation 21 they will see their face and they will be with him and he will have his uh, tabernacle be with them. They will be his people and he was going to wipe all the tears. God is going to say, don't cry anymore. That is past. It's gone. It's forgiven and it's forgotten. Enjoy what I have for you. He's going to wipe the tears. It's amazing. Beautiful picture of what Jesus is doing today up in heaven, making a way for you and me to one day be there. And the truth is, that day is not far away. As we look at what's happening in the world right now, the sands in the proverbial hourglass of time are rapidly running out. That means Jesus is coming soon. That means that all this work that he's been doing, all this story that we've been reading in the book of Hebrews is going to come to its culmination very soon. And his great desire is that you should be there and I should be there to be a part of that great celebration. Pastor Felix, thank you once again for being with us this week. We've still got just a few more weeks together as we pull together the last bits of the book of Hebrews. And we want to encourage you to join us too 
as we look at the book of Hebrews and how it applies to our lives today. God bless you, and we'll see you next time.